welcome back to the Eat Me in St. Louis podcast. My name is Nick. And I'm Travis. And this is the podcast where we tell you all the best places in St. Louis to eat, drink, and be scary. That's right. Uh, this is a special Halloween report. Ooh. We're talking today about ghost kitchens. And let me say up front, our special reports in the past have been special because we just took a microphone to Popeye's and <laughs> <laughs> recorded something quick. This one is a little bit different, though. We actually went out and got a couple of interviews, and we're going to have some sound clips interspersed throughout the episode uh, from people who are working out of ghost kitchens and involved with them. It's going to be a little bit like Radio Lab, but without the sound effects and great production quality. Yeah. So instead of our uh, past episodes where we did the least amount of work possible, we've decided to do the most work yeah. possible for this special episode. It's a new experience. No, I, I think this will be good, though. You know, it'll be interesting. It'll uh, give them pumpkin to talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What was that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Travis has a list of puns written down on his hand that he's reading now. I do not. Don't be a jerk lantern <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what is a ghost kitchen? Is it a haunted house that works out of a kitchen i wish it was a haunted house that served food <laughs> that would That's be food. awesome <laughs> i was thinking it just took place in a kitchen and you had to stumble through and not fall into a food grater or something uh is it a b movie about a new restaurant haunted by a chef that let, died there let me know when you're through making bad rhetorical questions and ready to just say what a ghost kitchen yeah is. i have a list on my hand too do you know what a ghost kitchen is travis uh no i don't and and i had no idea what a ghost kitchen was before you brought up the idea uh to try a few for halloween okay i mean simply put it's a professional kitchen but they only do delivery and pickup they have no dining area but it's a new thing that I heard a few months ago. Um, and actually, we did an episode on Motortown Pizza, a ghost kitchen operating out of Revel Kitchen. But I don't know if you've seen lately. That's become so popular. That one uh, that one might be around for a while. Well, they, no, they can be around for a while. It's not just a temporary thing. It's just a place that doesn't have a dining room area. It's a virtual kitchen. They also call them uh, shadow kitchens dark kitchens i don't know who comes up with these and why they made them all spooky but <laughs> you kind of get the idea yeah so the ghost kitchen uh concept is synonymous with a virtual kitchen and this concept has really been developed over the last couple of years and i kind of tuned into it last year you know i have my own food business called uh, moroccan roll that i want to help get off the ground and i see food works as the essential commissary and commercial kitchen space for me to try things out you know utilize it as a research and development try a new menu you know market it to my network and you know really get it out there um nothing like this really has existed till now but even on a larger scale the ghost kitchen can help you know even big restaurants you know we're, we're looking at like uh, chipotle just uh launched their own ghost kitchen and really? yeah they sure did um in my experience 
looking into it, I identified two basic types of ghost kitchen. One of them is uh, restaurants working out of restaurants. So we're going to talk about some places that have kind of sub-brands of their own restaurant where they're creating like an experimental extra menu like Motortown Pizza did. And then there's another type that is just a kitchen for rent that's like an available space for anybody to come in and cook out of it for whatever they're doing. And that's kind of independent of any actual restaurant or whatever. So almost like an event space for restaurants. Yeah, but without the event. It's just kitchen space. It's like, um, well, talk about uh, SDL Foodworks, which has uh, a number of rooms that it almost looks like a cooking show where you have these separate spaces where they have all of the different tools that a regular kitchen would have, a professional kitchen, and they're separated into these areas and people come in, rent them by the hour, and... uh, clean up and get out you know oh so like an empty food court it's it is exactly like a kind of virtual food court that's a great analogy yeah thanks so i wanted to talk about this because um i had been hearing about it and i went to stl Foodworks. there's a place called sando shack that's operating out of there and i went and picked up sandwiches from there and hadn't been to something like that before and left and was thinking about this ghost kitchen concept and how it's probably going to be like the next big thing. So you've mentioned STL Foodworks. Where is that? That's in Central West End. It's like in a little bit of a neighborhood. You could drive by it and not see it. <laughs> I drove by it and didn't see it. That's why I say that. Well, it is a ghost kitchen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I picked up sandwiches from there and left and was thinking about this thing. And suddenly it clicked for me. Ghost Kitchens, October, Halloween. Oh, my God, that's two weeks away. And now we're recording this episode. (laughs) Yeah, we tried a lot of Ghost Kitchens in a very short amount of time. Yeah. And we kind of split up duties here. Travis went to the uh, restaurant and restaurant locations, and I talked to the people at Foodworks. But yeah, these were already on the rise, I think. Like, I looked at Google Trends, and it definitely spiked in February. Something happened, and have been rising steadily since then. But I think, like, over the past few years, people have been leaning into delivery food more frequently. And I read somewhere that Dining in restaurants, the numbers have been kind of stagnant for a while, but because of Grubhub and Uber Eats and all the things like that, delivery's gone up like 20% year over year the past few years. And then now here we are in a pandemic. Yeah, I have an odd feeling that dining in numbers are not going to stay consistent this year. Yeah, pretty confident in that. And yeah, there's a lot of concern about um, the future of the small restaurant and brick and mortar locations. And I think that this is a way for restaurants to come in with a lower risk, lower cost and try new things. It's a huge expense to start a restaurant and this gives them a way to put out a menu and see what people like and, you know, get out there without that risk. Yeah, kind of refine a concept before they take the risk to really jump into a full brick and mortar. And also with social media now, you know, Sando Shack is definitely building a following online. They can almost build their customer base without having to take the risk, open up shop and, you know, basically be paying rent from day one. Absolutely. Let's talk about these two types of places. 
will you go first and tell me about some of your experiences? Sure. So I got to try the restaurant within a restaurant, the uh, Russian nesting doll of eateries <laughs> in St. Louis. So I tried two different places. I tried one from uh, the Bailey's Restaurant Group. Uh, they opened actually two ghost kitchens this year. They opened a ghost kitchen for wings called Wing Ding Dong. And they opened a, another one for hot dogs called Playing Ketchup. So they love puns, just like us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually tried out Playing Ketchup. So Playing Ketchup is operating out of Bailey's Range downtown. But as Nick said, you know, this is all uh, order online, pickup or delivery. And all you do is call Bailey's and they bring it out to your car. So they had a great little curbside system going. Okay. When you told me about going to pick up Motortown Pizza, that was something that I was wondering about is how this system worked with, with this restaurant and a restaurant thing. So I was curious about that. So the other ghost kitchen that I tried out this time was uh, High Point Drive-In and Sugar Fire Smokehouse are owned by the same group. And they started a ghost kitchen called the Sugar High Ghost Kitchen. So what they're going to do is they're going to have rotating concepts. The first concept they have is called Casey Bones. It's Kansas City-style barbecue right here in St. Louis. Uh, so it seems like they're mostly running through DoorDash. It's delivery only within a 10-mile radius. And they're doing things like wings, ribs, classic barbecue sides, but in a Kansas City style instead of St. Louis style. That's nice to have. Yeah, I read that they have a partnership with DoorDash, actually. There's another place called Soup Boy that's operating out of Yellow Belly that they, they started doing Soup Boy last December. That was the first partnership with DoorDash in the area that was doing this virtual kitchen concept and they do vegan soups. Um, I saw your pictures from Casey Bones and we haven't talked yet, but they looked really good. Yeah. I think a lot of people have seen our pictures from Casey Bones. Uh, we posted that on Instagram already, gave everyone a little sneak peek of the episode we were doing. That was their four bones and four wing combo. So, uh, it's really fitting that this is the same group that does High Point because just like High Point, it is a monstrous amount of food. Yeah. Just so much going on. You get a side, you get a drink, you get wings, you get ribs, you get a pickle, you get dipping sauces. Like, and this was for lunch. And, yeah, that you could know, be two lunches. I, I know. It was for a couple lunches. But, you know, that four bones and four wing combo is only $16. So they're keeping it at a pretty low price point for the amount of food you're getting. That sounds amazing. Yeah. It was incredible. And, uh, you know, they said they're only going to have it around for three weeks. Uh, and that was in September. So if you're interested in trying Casey Bones, you need to jump on it quick because uh, who knows when this ghost kitchen's going to gonna float away, cross over. I don't know. I like crossover. Let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I read somewhere they might be doing Al Pastor and Berea Tacos next, but it was still under consideration. Keep an eye out for that too if you're interested. Then a couple of other places that are doing similar things. Beast Butcher and Block has another wing place operating out of it called Wing Runner. And Polite Society is doing sub division sandwich co. Everybody's got to have that pun. <laughs> Before we move on, though, uh, how are those hot dogs? Oh, 
Yeah. So that was the other place. Playing catch up. Yeah, from the Baileys group, playing catch up. So this is Dave and Kara Bailey. It was so, so, so good. I've had gourmet hot dogs. You know, we've done Mike's uh, rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> I I like a gourmet hot dog, but, you know, they kind of feel like you can only do so much. And the Bailey's group totally proved that wrong. So I found the most decadent hot dog on the menu. It's called the American. Uh, at first, I was like, should I go for it? Uh, and I was like, you know what? It's Halloween. Trick or treat yourself. Mm-hmm. So uh, Wait, he's checking that off his hand right now. Yeah, thank okay. you. <laughs> uh, so I did get the American, which is the fried dog smothered in mac and cheese bacon bits, green onions, and their rooster sauce, which is like a rooster mayo sauce. It was so good, but the proportions were just right. The mac and cheese, it was like just still gooey and creamy and brought everything together. It was spooky good. So, uh, (laughs) thank you. Um, but I paired that with the cheesy tots, so they actually mix cheese into their tater tots. Before they cook them? Yeah, before they cook them. But mm. then they also have so many ketchups that you have to try. They have 13 different varieties. Oh, no. So Are they yeah. Are they coming at Twisted Ranch? Oh, I think they're coming at Heinz. Like, they're coming at the 57 varieties. Oh. <laughs> But they have everything from, like, a bourbon maple uh, to, like, French onion. It was fantastic. If you can get down to playing catch-up while they're doing this concept, you have to try it. And I'll probably be going back in the next, like, week or so. All right. Uh, All right, let me tell you about my experience going into STL Foodworks. I mentioned I had gone there to pick up Sando Shack. I had been to them previously as a food truck out in Chesterfield. I got a burger there. It was fantastic. I actually, I went to get, I've been following their social media, their Instagram, and was excited to get their chicken Sando. And I showed up like five minutes before they closed (laughs) and they had sold out of it. Uh, So I got the burger and it did not disappoint. It was really good. But I had to go back to get that chicken sandwich. So this time I went and picked them up from this place, SDL Foodworks. When I was in there, there was a guy who was cooking in another space opposite of Sando Shack. And he came out and I talked to him for a minute and found out that he was the manager there, uh, Daniel Movitz. STL Foodworks is a culinary incubator. Uh, We also have private kitchens that can be rented out more on a full-time basis. Uh, Right now we are helping entrepreneurs, food trucks, catering companies, bean providers, you know, people who actually like, you know, produce uh, black bean hummus and soup uh, called Del Carmen. Um, yeah, they, they are uh, one of our biggest uh, members, and they're, they've been at the, at the farmer's markets for years. So uh, we recognize there's a need for a commercial kitchen and facility to kind of help lower your costs and help provide a delivery-only curbside pickup situation where you can really thrive as a business owner, you know, as a food producer. A lot of different places operating out of there. There's a place called Graffiti Grub that does Mississippi-style Cajun food, a place called Zachi's that's Jordanian cuisine, 
uh, another one called Walk and Roll that's Asian-inspired street food, like pot stickers and Asian nachos and spicy dragon balls and things like that. And then, of course, there's the makers of my current favorite chicken sandwich obsession, breaded and panko, deep-fried, covered in a cabbage slaw, katsu sauce on top. It's so good. But yeah, Sando Shack, uh, which I obviously love, but the creators actually moved to St. Louis with the intention of opening up a poke place. We like were playing around with the idea of poke. Oh, there's not a lot of like poke restaurants in St. Louis, and it's fresh, it's good, it's quick. People are pretty health conscious nowadays, so like we wanted to do that. And um, we found out that the city foundry was building a food hall, and um, we actually started talking to the people there and. We got a space to open up a poke restaurant. It's going to be called Hello Poke. So um, they've been building and TBD on opening date for the city foundry right now. Right. Because of COVID, there were some unexpected delays. Um, in the meantime, we moved back to St. Louis and we wanted to do just like a pop-up and explore this St. Louis market and how people will take new ideas and Asian fusion foods and things like that. Okay, let's look around to see if there's any options. Um, I have a friend that's renting out a food truck, so we're starting to do that in the counties on weekends, um, so like the Chesterfield area. And then we wanted to also do something in the city, and that's when we found out about the ghost kitchen here at St. Louis Food Works, and we reached out, and we felt like it was like a really good idea to just see how people respond to the food and I mean with COVID there's just so many unpredicted incidents that would happen that we just wanted to see you know how people will take our food and I think that the ghost kitchen was a great choice. So you, Nick this isn't fair like you're not having to cover any of the places you visited because the <laughs> chefs are doing it for you yeah this is the easier way travis you should have done this yourself i had to come up with these these wonderful descriptions of the food wrapped in halloween puns and all you're doing is cutting the video clips (laughs) video clips do you have you ever listened to our podcast do you think this is on youtube yeah i thought we live streamed this on youtube as well yeah no wonder the numbers are terrible But yeah, all four of those places started out as food trucks and started working out of this space at SDL Foodworks because, you know, food trucks are a lot of work. You've got to travel around. You've got to operate out of this tiny space. You've got to have all the propane. and You've never I've, operated a Travis, food truck and you have no idea what goes no. into it. But yes. <laughs> but I hear... <laughs> But Foodworks offers this kitchen that you can just slide into, make all your food. They are all uh, doing pickup and delivery from there. But they also have other places operating out of that same space that aren't doing the restaurant-style thing. There's one called Del Carmen that is doing Cuban black beans. They deliver those to local Harvest and Whole Foods, and they have uh, – you can just get – Cuban-style black beans, or you can get uh, hummus or dips or soup. There's another one called Best Life Healthy Baking that does healthy but delicious cookies, granola, muffins, and things like that. And then there's another one called Bold Spoon Creamery that makes these small batch ice cream pints that... That sounds delicious. uh, They are delicious. We should try it sometime, Nick. (laughs) 
Well, I, we we got a few, <laughs> and I left some of them outside your house. Did you get those? No. <laughs> Did I forget to text you? Oh, my bad. I would be so sad if there was just melted ice cream outside my house. Yeah. But we got uh, uh, salted chocolate, which is fantastic. But then also my favorite is a goat cheese with fig jam that was just amazing. They're doing a lot of partnerships with local places and local ingredients. But here's Rachel from Bold Spoon to talk about that. So I started making ice cream. It's like 2017. And it happened just because we had this patch of mint in our backyard. And so my husband was like making mojitos with it. But I mean, you're going to kind of do so much of that. And so then I started making mint ice cream. And then the season would be done. I'd put our little Cuisinart away, and then that was that. And then for whatever reason, in 2019, I just became, like, obsessed with it to the point where I'm like, what is going on? Thinking about it constantly, and our kitchen at home was just an experiment that was just out of control just because I would then play with making my own recipes and different flavor combinations. And it just became to the point where I was thinking about it way too much to just remain a hobby. And I think probably, I don't know, just like everyone would come over and they were so excited to have it. It just was an easy way to make people happy, mm-hmm. like a crazy easy way. And so, I don't know, just that probably played a part of it too. And then so I talked with my husband and I just said, look, I'm thinking about this way too much. And if I don't at least try, I'm going to always wonder. And initially, our business model was to sell wholesale only. And that obviously was not a viable business model in March. So then I just tossed that out the window. So I started making it and I gave it away to like neighbors just to get them like introduced and they would tell their friends. You know, I gave it to like a couple hospitals just to like say thank you and just keep moving. So then so we started selling it online in May. So May 2nd was our first online order. And that was great because it was probably by the third week, we were like several iterations out that I didn't know the people that were ordering from Mm -hmm. us because it was like a friend of a friend of a friend, blah, blah, blah. And then farmer's markets became available during the Tower Grove market and boulevards. And then from there, Snooks and Smokehouse Market and Women's Exchange opened up. So now we're in seven stores. That thing in goat cheese though, oh man. The goat cheese is sourced from a local place called Beachy Farms. It's actually blended in to the cream before they freeze it. So it's just got this really nice extra creamy texture to it and then just a hint of the goat cheese. And then the figs are dabbled in throughout it. It's wow, so good. Wow, that sounds delicious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, you know. Travis, uh, wait. Louis, <laughs> you have a pumpkin chai and a brie with spiced honey on your way to your house this minute. <laughs> so not only are we not uh, live streaming these, uh, Nick's recording from his car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I wanted to talk about another place that's operating out of there called Welcome Neighbor STL, which is a different concept altogether. And it's actually a community group that's supporting immigrants and refugees as they begin a new life in St. Louis. And I heard about them before we went there because Angie a while back uh, went to an event hosted by them 
they've been doing these supper club dinners that people would have at their home. And it's like this kind of social event to meet people. Um, the one that Angie went to was actually a, a thing to learn how to make hummus. And yeah, since COVID, they've shifted a little bit. They're doing drive-through supper clubs now. Same kind of idea where these meals are prepared from new immigrants, and it's just kind of a way to support and get delicious food made traditionally. Okay, let's bring this to a close. Travis, in January, Forbes ran an article titled, Three Ways Ghost Kitchens Are the Future of Experiential Retail. <laughs> and I'm going to read that article to you now. <laughs> Uh, No, but that was in January. So not one of those three ways was a global pandemic will cause the apocalypse. So they did not predict that. But man, I would subscribe to Forbes immediately if they were like, you know, one thing is this this COVID-19 situation could get real out of hand, even though there's only one case of it so far. Uh, Yeah, we've been saying it this whole time. Ghost kitchens are here to stay i think you know the pandemic definitely shifted them into focus more than ever but i think over this next year they're going to be more and more popular as a a way for restaurants to get into the business especially new startups well and as food delivery becomes like more mainstream outside of your traditional uh you know pizza chinese kind of thing i think that we'll see a lot of that take off because i'll be honest with you nick i've been ordering chinese food from the same place for three years i have no idea where their physical location is (laughs) (laughs) it could be some guy just making it out of his house but whatever it's great (laughs) could be china (laughs) <laughs> they're really I mean, fast. they deliver real quick, but uh, yeah, yeah. That, so I, I think that's becoming less and less important. And I think that this winter, unfortunately, we're going to have to see that the need for delivery really pick up because yeah. places are going to struggle as, you know, you combine the cold weather, not being able to sit outside with the increase in cases that we're seeing where, um, you know, they're cracking down on people sitting inside. So, uh, you know, delivery and pickup is going to become more and more of the way to go um, in St. Louis over the next couple months. And you could start seeing a lot of ghost kitchens really establishing themselves uh, at this time. Yeah, and I mentioned places that were operating as food trucks, moving into ghost kitchens, and exactly what you're saying is just like, this is another option for them if they were like strictly on the food truck model to keep that going throughout the year and to try new things in between there. But yeah, they they could transition to ghost kitchens, but I would much rather they transition to ice cream truck style where they just put music on their food truck and I'll run outside and order a burrito. <sighs> That's... That's the most wonderful thing I've ever heard. (laughs) I would love burrito trucks passing through my neighborhood. Um, We also talked about DoorDash partnering with these restaurants. Grubhub, Uber Eats, I am not a huge fan of their business model and the way it's been working out for the smaller restaurants, but they are all moving into this territory. Uber Eats actually started a ghost kitchen in Paris a while back. Um, And you talked about this being a virtual food court kind of thing. And that was their idea to create the space that restaurants can operate out of that they have the main delivery control over it, which is a fantastic idea if you're picking up multiple things from these different places. I really like that. But yeah, 
a lot of interesting opportunities from these places. Um, check out our Instagram feed for links to all of them. Many of them have interesting things coming up. Sandwich Shack has a new pork sandwich coming out. Their chicken sandwich was just divine. So it was one of those things that I was just like craving for possibly months. Like they, they got on Instagram early and post some great food pics and it was a while before they opened up and I was like sending the messages like, when are you going to get your goddamn food out? <laughs> they, they do these amazing photos of their sandos where they stack them and they hold them in one hand. Yeah. And every time I see one of those photos, I'm like, I just want you to like cram that into my face because it looks incredible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and get the potato salad. They have they, you can get chips or potato salad. The potato salad was great. Also, I mentioned uh, Welcome Neighbor. This month on November fourteenth, they're doing a Syrian drive-through out of FoodWorks. Uh, you can order ahead; it goes to a good cause, and you can pick up at lunchtime on the fourteenth. They're also doing a Thanksgiving special on the twenty-sixth. Check both of those out at welcomeneighborstl.com. And yeah, big thanks to FoodWorks for having us in and talking to us. Everybody there that I met was just good people. And, you know, Travis, this is not going to come as a big surprise to you, but since we started doing this podcast, I have found that everybody in the restaurant industry is really supportive of each other, communal. I guess in my head, I thought that they were all, oh, that other taco places selling more tacos than me but (laughs) everybody seems to be helping out and especially in this time encouraging and supporting each other it's just really nice and seeing it in this tiny little space at foodworks felt like um like a maker space or maybe even like a dorm kind of area where they just have these open areas that they're cooking but they're talking and chatting and supporting each other. FoodWorks does a lot of help promoting these businesses. And each person that I talked to there told me about the other businesses too and how great they were. And I loved that. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about restaurants supporting each other, but this is a huge time to support your local restaurants. Winter is going to be tough. We don't want to see places close. We've seen way too many good places go this year already. So make sure whether it's delivery, carry out, however you can, uh, supporting your local restaurants to make sure that we all make it on the other side of COVID where we can all get together, go out to eat again and, uh, you know, have all these great places in STL. If we come out of COVID and the only restaurants are Applebee's and Chili's, I'm blaming you. Not you, Travis. (laughs) Our listeners. I was like, oh, man, I did eat at Chili's like three weeks ago. (laughs) So look for that episode coming soon. uh, (laughs) Eat me in St. Louis. (laughs) No, no. But we talked about a ton of places in this episode. We'll be putting their... Uh, social media handles in our Instagram. So make sure that you're checking that out. Make sure that you're supporting all these places, whether it's a STL Foodworks, uh, a pop-up kitchen like Sugar Fire and High Point or uh, Bailey's. And uh, just be on the lookout for these ghost kitchens because you never know when they're coming to a haunt near you. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Thanks everyone for listening. Check us out in two weeks, we've got a new episode coming out about a place in the loop 
I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, and make sure to have a fun and safe Halloween. Uh, creep it real and tell me.